John chapter 12, as you remain standing, verse 1, then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany. Everyone say Bethany. Where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. And there they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her glory. I mean her hair. The Bible says a woman's hair is her glory. She wiped his feet with her glory. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold and the money given to the poor? This he said not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put in the bag. Then Jesus said three words, let her alone. Against the day of my burying has she kept this. For the poor you will always have with you, but you will not have me with you always. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there and they came not for Jesus' sake only but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that by reason of him, by reason of Lazarus, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. I'm going to preach from verse 7, let her alone. I'm going to preach a message today entitled, All She Did Was Worship. Can you say that to three people around you? All she did was worship. The Bible says, lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting. Can you do that right now? Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the anointing that is in this place. Thank you that you are breaking every generational curse. You're dismissing any generational spirit. Do something demonstrative among us today. Do something explosive here today. Speak because your servants are listening. We need a word from you. If we don't get a word from you, we don't know what to do. But if we get a word, we'll have instruction. If we get a word, we'll have direction. If we get a word, we will have healing. If we get a word, we'll get restoration. If we get a word, we'll have revival. If we get a word, there'll be refreshing. Give us a word, God. If you're hungry for a word, clap your hands and give him praise just one more time, please. Give somebody a high five or an elbow and tell them it's on in the building. Six days before the Passover, he came to Bethany. Six days before the Passover, he came to Bethany. We all know that next week will be Palm Sunday. 
But what was he doing before Palm Sunday? Six days before Palm Sunday. Six days. The week before Passion Week, he came to Bethany. Bethany. Six days before the entry to his final purpose in the earth, he came to Bethany. He needed a launching pad for purpose, a landing place. He needed a pause. He knew what he was facing, and he needed a place to go. How many of you know we all need a place to go when we're facing things that are traumatic, when we're facing things that sometimes we don't quite understand? We need a place to go. And Bethany was that place for Jesus. You can read it throughout his life. He resorted there. It was his resort. Our story, and we have a way of categorizing scripture in order to preach homiletically and hermeneutically correct. I want to exercise this theory just for a moment. As preachers, we take text and we categorize those texts or those stories in order to make a point. And in that sermon, there's an introduction. There's a text. There are points. And then there's the pinnacle. It's the summation of all you've said for the last 30 or 40 minutes. And many times in that categorizing of Scripture in order to form not just text but context in order to preach a message or deliver a sermon, we forget the history that's behind those few verses that we are about to preach on. And the Bible says in John chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, that there's this guy there. His name is Judas Iscariot. I'm going to preach to you today about four characters. And I'm going to begin this dialogue by telling you all four of these characters are in this building today. There is Judas Iscariot. There is Martha. There is Lazarus. And finally... That Mary, that Mary. Let's start with this betrayer, shall we? Let's start with this thief. Let's start with this guy, Judas. Yeah, we'd like to just tell the story and exempt him. It'd be much pleasing if we could tell the story and not include this liar, this betrayer, this hater. I've learned something in life that haters are necessary. They're necessary. Really, haters do a good job of reminding you of who you really are. 
According to Matthew, this guy is going to betray the Savior of the world for 30 pieces of silver. 30 is the age he was when he began preaching. And for every year of Jesus living before he launches his ministry, you're going to betray him with 30 pieces of silver. Interesting. Jesus is about to face something that he had never experienced before in his life. The betrayal of a friend. Can I take it deeper? The betrayal of a brother. Have you ever been betrayed? I didn't say rejected. Some people misunderstand rejection with betrayal. Let me help you. You can be rejected by an enemy, but you can't be betrayed by an enemy. You can only be betrayed by a friend. See, betrayal is an awful thing. Betrayal is that act of deceit that you made someone believe something about you that wasn't really true. You made them think that you were for them. Knowing all the while you were going to leave them. So I'm not talking to you about rejection. I'm talking to you about pain. Rejection doesn't compare to betrayal. But when you look at the word betray in the dictionary, you know where you find it? One eighth of an inch above the word betroth. One-eighth of an inch above the word betroth is the word betray. You can't really describe the... I'm taking my time, as you can tell, because I'm navigating through things I'm dealing with. But I'm here. You cannot truly describe the feeling of being betrayed until you've been betrayed. You can't talk about betrayal and the depth of that pain until you've been betrayed. And some of you cry over rejection like you did over spilled milk when you were three years old but you've never faced betrayal. And listen what the liar says. Why wasn't this sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? You know who Judas represents? He represents complainers. Always objecting. Always expressing their opinion about how things should be done. I've learned this, that people who always complain will ultimately forsake. 
when you're always hearing people complain, believe them. They're on a journey. Their destination is to forsake or to betray you. There will always be people with an opinion about everything to do with church, including your worship. Talk about it, Pastor Reed. Including how you serve God. Oh, I can hear people now. Does he have to go to the altar every Sunday? <laughs> Does she have to be that loud? Does he have to be that transparent and emotional? Does our pastor have to be that vulnerable in church? Couldn't you get it together before you came here? We would rather see your caricature than your character. Does it take all that? Does she have to sing that line seven times? We got it the first time. Here's the deal. They notice what you're doing, but they don't know where you came from. So the answer to your question is yes, for me. It takes all that. I can just talk about me, me. Where we were born, we was born on the other side of the track. We were those people that acted like we had money and we really didn't. So if you see me giving God praise for all he's done for me and it gets on your nerves, I'm not even going to tell you I'm sorry. I'm going to tell you deal with it. Because if I tell you I'm sorry, that means I'm going to change. I ain't sorry. I ain't sorry that I shout. I ain't sorry. I'm, and I'm saying in Louisiana vernacular, I ain't sorry that I shout. I ain't sorry that I lift my voice when I preach because it's emotion, because it's expression, because it's enthusiasm, because it's excitement that all that God has done for me, I can't help but say thank you. And if it gets on your nerves, I have to question your motive of the relationship to begin with, betrayer. Because if you'll talk about my worship, then what else will you talk about? I've learned that I, I'll get off old Judas. You know, I, you know, old Judas, he's taking a beating a long time. I just came to slap him around like, don't say it, Pastor Rick. I've learned this about the Judas spirit. Never worry about the Judas spirit. 
Because the Judas spirit will always take care of itself. Don't acknowledge it. Don't recognize it. Just keep serving like you serve. Keep worshiping like you worship. And Judas will go hang himself. That's what Acts chapter 1 says. I won't read it because it's gross. His guts fell out. I'm, I won't say it. But he hung himself. Because betrayers will take care of themselves. I, I better move on from this character. We got three more to care, cover here. So I hope I'm staying on track. I'm, staying, I'm trying my best to stay focused. Judas betrayed. Envy will make you do weird stuff. Covetousness will make you do crazy, crazy things. Judas betrayed. Let's take another one. Let's pull. Let's pull Martha up. <laughs> we wore Judas out. Let's look at Martha. Boy, she gets it too, don't she? Everybody say Martha, Martha. Martha, Martha. Yeah. Hmm. Verse 2. There they made him a supper. And three words. And Martha served. Why are we so mad at her? Why, why, why do we preach and wear Martha out? Simply because Luke describes this story as Jesus saying, Martha, Martha, you are cumbered about with things that are not necessary right now. As if he is belittling her and in no way did he condescend. He just said, girl, at some point preparation has to stop and worship has to start. At some point you got to stop preparing to praise and you actually have to praise. Preparation can only go so far, and we wear Martha out because she's a good server. Sound familiar? Yeah. Well, it just means she was waiting on him. But Jesus did give us a hint when he said she's cumbered about. Martha was cumbered about with much serving. The insinuation is she was proud of how she served. And her serving was dragging her all around the house. <laughs> I've learned something about people. In church, we have a tendency to serve what we serve. In other words, you got to be careful in this day and age because I believe some worship is worshiping the worship. That's right. I think I just went over your head. This is a generation that is so caught up in worship that we forgot who we're worshiping. We worship in the act of worshiping and not worshiping the Savior that saved us in order for us to worship him. And it's the same thing with serving. We serve the service. We serve the duty and not the deity. And this is what Jesus, we better leave her alone because Martha's been getting spanked a long time. Are y'all with me? I know, I know I'm emotionally drained. Y'all forgive me. 
I'm going to pull you along in the story. You're going to be all right. Martha. Hmm. Let's pull another one out. I got a lot of stuff on Martha. I love Martha. I love people who serve. Sometimes they take it too far, but I love them. <laughs> you ever heard of territorial? I had a pastor call me the other day for some advice. He said, man, can you help me? I said, well, who? He said, my children's church pastor. I said, oh, Lord, man, you're delving off in the deep water right there. <laughs> he said, well, she got mad because we said we're going to add some children's church workers back there. And she's quitting. I said, she's quitting. He said, yes. I said, quitting what? He said, the church. I say she was never a children's church pastor. <laughs> she just had a little title and a little spot. And when you tried to add to it, she saw that as a threat. In other words, she was serving the service. She wasn't doing it out of her heart. It made her feel good about herself. Martha, get out of here, Martha. Let's talk about this other guy. Let's pull a guy in here. Lazarus. Right? Verse 2 says, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with Jesus. Who is Lazarus? I'll tell you who he is. He's the one whom Jesus loved. <laughs> that guy. When they came to get Jesus after Lazarus was dead, they said, your friend, the one you love, is dead. You know, Lazarus, he's the one that Jesus called out of the tomb. I was thinking about how many Judases might be in the building today and then how many Marthas. But when I got to Lazarus, I really relaxed. Why is that? Because we're all Lazarus. We all are called out. Are y'all in the building? Now, some of us were a deeper version of Lazarus. But all of us was Lazarus. All of us came out of death into life. All of us came out of darkness into light. Talk back to me. All of us were called out. But all of us ain't got the grave clothes off yet. And the problem with the grave clothes is he don't take them off. Those that are connected to you are assigned to take them off. And some of you are hanging out with people that won't take your grave clothes off. In other words, they want you to be reminded of who you've always been. And they will not release you from what they know you as. I dare you to look at somebody and say, loose me, please, and let me go. Loose me from what? Loose me from my past. Loose me from the paradigm you have of who I am. Loose me from your perspective. Loose me from your perception of me. Take the grave clothes. Somebody shall loose me and let me go. Jesus did not do it. And if the people you are with refuse to loose you from your past, then find another group of people that can't wait to get you out of your stinking grave clothes. Shout it again. Loose me and let me go. Jesus did not do it. He told the people to do it. Hmm. Lord Jesus. 
Is anybody in here delivered from death? I'm going to ask you one more time. Has anybody in this building today been delivered from death? If you've been delivered from death, don't let people keep your grave clothes on you. The Bible said when them clothes started coming off, his head was loose. Then his hands were loose. Then his feet were loose. I dare you to open your mouth, lift your hands, and move your feet a little bit and show somebody I'm free no matter what you think. Show somebody I'm free no matter what you think. You know why Jesus said Lazarus come forth? Because if he wouldn't have called his name, everybody that was dead would have come out the grave. Jesus is here today calling your name. Say your name right now, Ricky. And he's telling you, come out of your depression. He's telling you, come out of your oppression. He's telling you, come out of your grave. Woo, Lord. What stands out to me about Lazarus in this story in John chapter 12 is the fact that the Bible says that the people in that house came to see him. They didn't even say they came, to, they came to see Jesus. They came to see Lazarus. What is that saying to you? People are intrigued with dead men walking. People come to see you. You the one that was a drug addict. You the one that was all messed up in your life. Your life was a mess. And you in that house. With your hands raised and you giving God praise. Tell your neighbor I'm about to show him. Once I was dead, now I am alive. Once I was blind, but now I see. Tell your neighbor I am Lazarus. I'll leave it there. Let's, let's get this last one. Let's get this last one. If, um, I'll say one more thing about Lazarus. I wish he was here. And you're right. I think that was Elena's voice. But you are right because we're all Lazarus. But he would say it was a glorious day when I came out of that grave. Mm. Man, it was a glorious day when I came out of that grave. <laughs> oh, I, I got I to got, I leave L alone. But as I'm talking about him, I'm thinking about more stuff that's not in my notes. Didn't, didn't, didn't these uh, ladies tell him, your friend is sick unto death? And that's his sisters. 
Martha was one of those sisters. And Jesus said, this sickness, you back there, Tony? This sickness shall not end in death. And then he died. Jesus never said he wasn't going to die. He just said the death wasn't the end of Lazarus. You know what you call that? A divine delay. That's God waiting for it to get as bad as it can be till it stinks. When your situation starts stinking with the smell of death, everybody knows it's over. And that's a prime time for God to show up. The old saints used to say, he may be late, but he's always what? Right on time. It's a divine delay. Sometimes God will let it get as bad as it can get. And then he shows up and resurrects it. Some of you are dealing with stuff that you thought would never die. And it died. And God said, I'm going to let it get as bad as it can be. Then I'm going to show up and I'm going to resurrect it. Because if it resurrected by itself, it shows you you don't need me. But I'm God. And only God can resurrect some things. If you've been waiting on him, Pastor Rick came by to tell you wait on him. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not. Throw your hands up and say, teach me, Lord, to wait. Because if I'm waiting, the miracle is becoming greater. It's greater for you to raise the dead than it is for you to heal the sick. Let me get on this last girl. This is the final character that Mary. Huh. Luke says, we read it from John 12. You going to just yawn and say, uh-huh, on the front row? I'll take the uh-huh, but you can leave the yawn out. Chief, come forth. I don't know if you're bored or tired, but handle it before you come to church. We family, y'all. It's all good. Try to cover it. I'm sorry to bore you. <laughs> Luke says it like this. When Jesus responds to Martha for getting mad at Mary because Mary wants to worship and not serve. <laughs> Jesus says in verse 42 of Luke chapter 10, one thing is needful and Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Say this with me, it's needful. needful. Now let me explain something to you. I've preached from that passage of scripture for 40 years. Giovanna asked me this morning how many times. You're going to yawn too? Everybody yawning. Let's everybody get it over with. You ready? 
I just wish praise was as contagious as yawning is. I've watched it go right down this road. If I yawn real big up here, will y'all, all of you get it over with? Are you ready? Okay, now get yours in and we can go on and have church. He said, one thing is needful. <laughs> and she has chosen. Don't miss what I'm about to tell you. Come with me. Just come back with me just for a moment. And I will be done. She chose what she needed. I've always preached this as a comparison. She chose worship. Martha chose serving. And we always preach it like Mary chose much better than Martha. Mary chose much better for Mary because it's what Mary needed. Let me explain myself to you. Martha is with the group that goes to get Jesus. Read it in John 11 for the sake of time. I won't go there. But he's, she's with the group that goes to get Jesus. And what does Martha say? Caleb, you remember what Martha says to Jesus? If you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Am I right? And Jesus says, I am. Not I was. So it's not if I would have been, I am right now. I am resurrection. So it, it doesn't matter if I'm here then, now, or tomorrow. I'm always in the present. I am still, come on in this building. I am still resurrection. I am the resurrection. We all remember that, right? So Martha leads this whole congregation along with Jesus toward the house in Bethany where Jesus gets a launching pad into Passion Week. And when he approaches the house with Martha, guess who runs out? Mary. Because she received word that Jesus is on his way. And the Bible says when she left the house, there's the fifth yawn on the front row, that she pulled, she pulled, I'm sorry, I won't talk about it no more. She pulled everybody in the house with her. The Bible says everyone in that house followed her. And when she went out, all the people in the house went with her. Don't miss this, Vicki. When she got to Jesus, she repeated verbatim what Martha said, which is what? If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Same exact words, verbatim. Which means Martha and Mary been talking about things. <laughs> Girls will talk. And they've been talking in the house about where was he? Why wasn't he here? Tell the truth. Watch Jesus' response to her. It is not I am the resurrection. Jesus' response to Mary is this. Show me where you laid him. What is he saying? Show me where you lost your faith. Talk back to me. Show me 
Not where you buried Lazarus. Show me where you buried your faith. And the Holy Ghost is here today to ask you, show me, where did you lose your faith? I've had more people help me to make it through this Holy Ghost. In the last three days since Warren died, hitting an 18-wheeler from behind, and his car went all the way under the truck, and it killed him. I've had more people say the same thing to me. And I said it to myself. I do not understand. 52, my brother, prime of his ministry. And God, you going to let him go out? Like that, don't look at me like you've never asked that question. And I realized, just like many of you have, when you've gone through things you don't understand, your faith is being challenged. And Jesus said to me this morning, take me to the place where your faith was challenged because I'm about to do something that's going to cause your faith to come back. Hear me. When Jesus got to that tomb, he prayed to his father and he said, Lord, I'm not praying to you for me. I'm praying to you for these people who have lost faith. And he said, Lazarus, come forth, and he came forth. I'm not saying somebody you know that died is going to be resurrected. I am saying where your faith was buried is about to come back to life. Are y'all in this building? So when Jesus said, it is needful for her. When Jesus said, Martha, it is needful for Mary to worship. Jesus is saying, that's all she's got left. Y'all just missed that right there. What are you saying, Pastor Rick? When you lost things, when things have gone crazy and you're in a season where you don't understand what's going on, I want to tell you, you only got one thing at that point that you can do, and that's to worship him. That's the only thing left. Tell your neighbor, I need it. When do you need worship? When you've lost stuff. When do you need worship? When you're disappointed. When do you need worship? When you're in a misunderstanding, you've got to get before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and you can't bring some cheap TG and Y, Kmart, Walmart worship. You got to get you the best worship you can give him. Pour it on his feet and wipe it with your glory. Come on in this building. And some of us are going through stuff that we don't understand. And let me tell you, the only thing you need is to worship. 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 
Every answer is found in his presence. Every need is met in his presence. Are y'all hearing me? Now here's what I... Real worship. Real worship. I'm not talking about your pseudo-religious every Sunday, lift your little hands and sing. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about heartfelt, pure worship always affects the house. Isn't it interesting that Mary got everybody's attention? She got Judas' attention. She got Martha's attention. She got Jesus' attention. Real worship affects everybody in the house. So my question is not about those extravagant worshipers. My question is about those who do not show any expression in worship. Because real worshipers get attention. And when you're worshiping, don't worry about nobody else. I asked Giovanna this morning on the way to church I said read me the whole story one more time she read it can I help you after Mary says if you would have been here my brother would not have died you don't hear another word from her she don't say another word all she does is worship say it with me all she did let that hit you all she did was worship Now, here's what I'm going to leave you with. Not only did it affect the entire house, what she activated in the house, she carried out the house. What do you mean by that, Pastor Rick? If the glory, a woman's hair is her glory, and she wiped his feet with her hair, can I ask you a question? What got in her hair? The oil did. And that oil had a, had a frankincense, a, an incense smell to it. It had a scent to it. So that everywhere she went, people had to smell her worship. See, if you come in here and, and worship, it is impossible for you to go out there and somebody not recognize that you've been in worship. When you really worship, you carry the smell of worship with you. Now, some people are going to say, I'm just not that type of guy. I'm just not that type of girl. Well, what is your problem? My Bible tells me God is not giving you the spirit of timidity, but God has given you the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. It's not my personality. God didn't ask you to worship him with your personality. He asked you to worship him with your soul. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. The soul is the seat of your emotions. It is impossible for you to worship and not involve your emotions. People who are worshipers should be emotional. I came by to ask somebody in this house. So here's my conclusion, and I'm done. When Mary broke open that box and started worshiping, it hit me today. All she was doing, Brad, she was saying something without saying a word. You know what she was saying? Thank you. Thank you. She just came in and she just got down and she just opened that box and she started washing his feet with that oil. 
and wiping it with her hair and she was saying thank you for what you did for my brother. She's looking at Lazarus. She's worshiping Jesus. I wish you would look at your miracle today and worship him. I wish you would look over your life at all that God has done for you and worship him. I wish you could find one act, one move, one word, one time in your life where God touched you and you lift your hands and you tell him thank you thank you all she did was worship lift those hands come on everybody on your feet some of you haven't worshipped in years but when you first got saved when you first got born again, you would lift your hands and cry and worship. But now, many years later, your heart has become cold. And I want you to get your worship back. Open it up. Let me tell you what she had to do. She had to break the box. She had to break it. Break something in your life today and get worship out of you. Break something that has been restraining you and restricting you. Lift those hands all over this building. All she did was worship. Come on. 